grown man shit. Yeah, I feel that. How you I do? certainly feel that. I'm good, <laughs> man. You know, just uh, it's been working on a lot of music, man. Word up. Writing them bars. Back in the lab. You know, I'm excited. I'm excited for what I'm doing. That's what's up, man. Right yeah. now. So, um, yeah, I've been taking the camera out, you know, just walking around walking around taking shooting. some shots gotta you know? do that gotta do that like on on manual trying to get my my focus right yeah, you yeah, know what yeah. i'm saying gotta just, do that just practicing practice on them settings yeah get that aperture right yep <laughs> yeah shutter speed right yep. doing all that you know yeah, reading. yeah get that exposure right yeah so you know that's what i've been doing man. <laughs> the iso <laughs> just trying to build my skills you know <laughs> trying to dive into new disciplines and do some things Nah, that's dope. That's dope. Same thing here, man. You know, yeah. just just another day in the life of Prent Nemesis. <laughs> another day in the life of the man's. Yeah. The man, my man's in them. Yeah, my man's in them. You know, live from Southfield, you know, Coble, right. south side of Columbus. Ain't been no hood tales in a while. Ain't, ain't been It nothing. ain't been that much. It was cold. It's out. cold, so it's ain't cold. nobody out. Yeah. Nah, it ain't a lot of hood tales. You know, I mean, my neighbors across the street, they some characters, man. But I don't really, I ain't seen nothing too deep from them uh-huh. yet. I, I did see the dude who lived there just kind of get screamed on by his wife piece the other day just screamed on him outside yeah he was trying to peel off in his truck and uh she he, she just ran up on him and just was like barking on him and uh he just looked helpless <laughs> and i was just thinking like damn why don't he why don't he why don't he fire back right at least roll the window down right and then i looked and i realized that like the reason he don't fire back is because he got her two brothers living there oh so they will be his ass probably <sighs> They will go in on him if he fires oh. back. So she got back up. Oh, he blew it. He dolo. He blew it, fam. <laughs> he dolo. <laughs> he in enemy territory. Yeah, in his own home, bro. His own home is an away game. I'm like, family, how could you let this happen? Right, yeah, you'll do that. How do you let her let her brothers move in here? You know, she got Bubba and them in there. Boy, they be looking crazy. I'm like, yo, he can't say shit. Yeah, even if she wrong. Oh, and that's when I when I saw his face and just how he just put his head down and kind of dipped. I was like, oh, yeah, manhood gone. <laughs> See, he had an away game in his own home. <laughs> Straight up, man. He don't even know. He a stranger in his own home, bro. <laughs> he can't do shit. Yeah, he just visiting even though he pays rent. How do you mortgage. let that happen? Right, though? he just visited. Oh, let me stay in the guest room. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up, they walking around butt naked in his house. <laughs> Like, damn, Bubba, can you put on some draws? <coughs> Why are you tripping, dog? Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. crazy. You know, it, it takes a lot of steps for that to happen, man. Hell yeah. Like, could you imagine? Like, I, I'm just like, okay, say you, you're dating a girl or you marry a woman, right? Mm. And you have a kid by her. Okay, cool. So it's him, his girl, slash wife, and a kid. And then how, how do you let not one. But two. Two of them move in. Do you not know what's going to happen to your life when this happens? Unless the house is in her name. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to check that Franklin County Auditor's Yeah, site. yeah. Unless it's in her name. And See then who? he can't say shit. Oh, that might explain it. Yeah. If it's in her name, like he has no no foot, no no hand in that. Man, no he, footing. He's straight up a visitor in his own home. Yeah, that's bro. bad news. Yeah, but that's it. It's been quiet in the hood, man. You know, because it's, it's cold. Yeah, ain't nobody outside. Nobody's out, man. I ain't been doing that much, you know, in the in the hood. So, yeah, it's been quiet. But, you know, I'm sure as soon as it gets uh, nice out. Yeah, it's going to be real. Adventures will resume. <laughs> the adventures will resume. Yeah, tales more, from the hood. More tales from the hood. <laughs> Popping off. Yeah, man. Today, we got a, we got a fresh topic today. Yeah, very fresh topic. You very know? fresh topic. Print Nificence been, you know, getting this, mm. getting the study on. Mm. This yeah. is an academic one. Yeah. You know, for we got we got episodes where we do some just some temporary hip hop shit. Right. Talk about our peers in in the uh, circus that is the music industry. <laughs> Fisticuffs. Yes, yes, yes. Fisticuffs and whatnot. Right. And this week we're going to talk about um, just artists and selling. Selling, 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 selling. Sell, sell, sell. Sell is like a four-letter word to artists Hell and creative yeah, people. Is. Right? Yeah. And so I, I thought about this all the time. And I was like, man, you know, every time I talk to artists, one of their biggest complaints is like, how do I market myself? How do I do it without being personally attached to it? Right. How do I get out of this mode to where I feel comfortable pushing my own stuff? It's very, it's very difficult if you haven't been doing it. Yeah. It's very difficult to sell yourself that's the you know thing. what i'm saying because i think i'm dope but how do i <laughs> you 
you know what I'm saying? But how do I convince, you know, yeah. society that I'm dope? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, what good do I say about myself without sounding like an arrogant asshole? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, because you have to be confident to right. sell anything. You have to be. It's a prerequisite. Yeah, you have it's, to be. Yeah, and it's and it's tricky because, like you're saying, we are in an art where we are the product. Right. The average door-to-door salesman is not selling He's selling a product right. more so than he's selling himself. Yeah, he's selling a vacuum yeah. as opposed to you know John the salesman. Right. Yeah. Now, the vacuum maker and the inventor would probably have a harder time selling that vacuum right. than the door-to-door salesman. Right. Because right. if you tell a guy who invented the vacuum that it's worthless, mm. that's going to hurt his feelings. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to be happy about that. <laughs> but if you tell a guy who's just selling it and gets paid a commission, it's worthless. It's not. He's like, yeah. whatever. I'll go to the next house. Right. Cool. Right. You know, so uh, this episode, you know, we, we want to talk about that. We want to talk about, you know, I, I tell people uh, who ask me stuff online, they say, well, how do I learn some of the things you've learned? Or, or And I say, look, you know, in terms of marketing, promotion, whatever. The best thing I tell some guys to do is that sometimes there are periods where you shouldn't make any music and you should just study alternate fields right. that will help you in music. Um, and so I tell guys sometimes, I say, look, man, you know, if you want to understand how to market yourself as a person or a brand, maybe you should read one branding book a year mm-hmm. or maybe you should read a, 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 a marketing book or, or any of these topics. Right. And so what I and this is something I do. So for the last month, I just had a stack of books that I've been working on. It's like seven or eight books and like three of them in a row were kind of about sales. Mm. So what I decided to do is say, okay, well, shit, why don't we just, uh, you know, as I'm looking through these books, I'm getting mad jewels. <laughs> right. Joyce is yeah. dropping in the head. Yeah. Because like, I'm, I'm like every artist too. Like it's personal to me too. Mm. Getting rejected hurts me too. Yeah. Like I don't want to say, Hey, buy my album and nobody buys it. That shit kind of hurts. Right. You know, but it doesn't hurt as much now. And I think it's because I'm learning more from reading books written by people who, all they do is sales. Right. And some of the books are kind of technical and some are just too technical for an artist. So I'm not going to say go buy all these books. Right. But there are jewels in these books. Mm-hmm. So this episode is for the people who hate selling. The artists who, who absolutely like, why do I have to sell this shit? Why don't people just get up on it? Yeah, that's most of us. <laughs> right. Like 99% yeah, of the artists. Yeah, that's most of us. That's you know? why we get publicists and managers. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> so you we go promote it. Yeah, you go take care of that my shit. Ego. I just do the art. <laughs> right. My ego's yeah. too fragile to right. deal with this rejection thing. And so uh, this episode is for y'all. You know, this is, this is we're going to talk. I'm going to give you 10 lessons from these three books that I read that will help you become better at selling yourself and whatever it is you make nice you know word be right back we got you stuck off the realness the most infamous you heard of us official podcast murderers the show comes equipped with few points to share grown man ideas for all those who care and want to grow so go ahead and download every single week with a brand new episode you're not alone in this world cousin so we share information and honest discussion and keep repping the culture like we supposed to they spread gossip but they never come close to i can hear it inside their tone they talk about the industry but never left their home you get laced up with bullet points and such plus empowering topics that they never would touch you can put your whole network against the team but super duty tough works the mvp most valuable podcast on mp3 priceless info but all of it's free so take these words home and think them through super duty tough work is coming at you now listening to Super Duty Tough Work with your host, Blueprint, raw and uncut, adult conversations, no shucking, no jiving, and no bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Back in the place. Most infamous. S-D-T-Dub. <laughs> Yo, you know what? We never... And I mean, we on what fifty two now, right? Yeah, this is we 52. never even said anything about our fiftieth episode. That's true, man. Half century. Mark. Yeah, we hit the half century mark like yeah. a couple episodes ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a a nice little you know uh, mark, man. We yeah. made it. It's an anniversary. Yeah, of some sort. When we get to hundred, though. Yeah, it's gonna be real. Hookers and coke. <laughs> confetti all yeah, over yeah confetti we gonna have hookers up in here man we gonna have strippers while we record it's gonna be real yeah i'll get a lap we'll do dance. it in a tour bus yes yes <laughs> recording we're gonna get bus. it wrapped with the logo on it no get the doubt. bus wrapped the, the super duty bus <laughs> super duty tough bus 
<laughs> oh, man. oh man so this first this first so I, I got three books this first book and i'm gonna read from it's called uh secrets of the sales funnels by a guy named ray leon now this book is too technical mm. for the average person yeah. even me at parts it's like yo i have to really take notes while it's i'm like, writing what the hell is he talking about yeah 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 it's a whole system it's uh, not just how to sell in general this is a specific sales system that someone designed but there's a jewel in here which is like the number one jewel on my list that I want to share. And uh, the number one tip is believe in yourself. So simple. It's simple, right? Yeah. Sales is about believing in yourself. Because think about it. You're not just selling a product. You're selling yourself. Right. You have to have confidence. So I'm going to read a little bit from this book and then we're going to discuss it. This is uh, from his chapter called Believing in Self. It says, communications experts tell us that more than 80% of the signals we send to others are communicated non-verbally through our eyes, our facial expressions, gestures, appearances, and attitudes. For every statement you make with your mouth, you send an average of at least four non-verbal signals to your prospect. If you handle yourself well and show clearly that you believe in yourself, these unspoken signals can be a boon to your selling career. Consider two reasons for believing yourself. Number one, a strong, positive self-concept is probably the most valuable personal attribute any salesperson can have. The way you see yourself determines the way you are seen by others and perception shapes everything you say and do. Your self-concept shows up in the way you dress, walk, talk, sit, laugh and what you do with your eyes and hands. All the things people watch while they are deciding whether or not to believe in you. That's reason number one. Reason number two, believing in yourself is important. Fear of rejection can cause you to develop a great reluctance to do anything. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's so true. If you feel badly about yourself, it is difficult to make sales calls and to ask for an order. There are two keys to overcoming fear of rejection. One, recognize that rejection of a business proposal does not mean a personal rejection. Yes, that's true. That's key. Yeah. You know, people buy for their reasons, not yours. And two, the most powerful way to overcome fear, flip this page, of rejection is to believe so strongly in what you are doing that you will not be denied. A major part of our identity as human beings comes from our usefulness, from worthwhile work. It is one of the most vital ways we express our uniqueness, our individuality and our personality. Believe in yourself. Lesson that is, one. That's so real. What do you think? I mean, I, I mean, believing in yourself is the is it's one of the reasons that we make the art in the first place. OK, you know what I'm saying? And for a lot of us, just the the making of the art and releasing the art to the public that's a huge step for a lot of people because a lot of us are private people. A lot of us are introverts. A lot of us really don't, you know, we're not the the loud, boisterous types of people. Yep. So, you know, just releasing the music is one thing. Now, selling it, that's a whole nother animal. But if you're confident in the product that you have and confident in yourself, you know, it should grease the wheels a little bit, you know, and make it somewhat easier to, to you know, give that, give that to somebody else so they'll want to buy it from you totally totally and, and what a lot of artists got to understand is that while we say we don't like selling the main reason we don't like selling is because we lack a little bit of confidence yes like we, there's there's some doubt that maybe my style doesn't match what they want to hear yeah maybe they just maybe they don't want it yeah maybe, maybe they, they don't want it. it maybe it's not as dope as i felt it was when i did it right you know because when you feel a hundred percent confident that product you can slang the shit out of that yeah you can really slang it like with, and you don't even know how confident you are like this reminds me of a story that swam told me about when i first met swam it was in uh gosh where he is somewhere in florida and i didn't know he was swam from soliloquist really mm -hmm. at the time uh -huh. and he tells me the story he said man when i first met you we were standing on the corner after your show and you was like man you heard 1988 yet and i was like nah not yet fam and he said, he said, you looked at me and just like, what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> confidence. Yeah, like yeah he, said, he said the confidence you had in your record, like, <laughs> like, how dare you have not heard this record? 
<laughs> That's funny as hell. <laughs> he said, I knew right then and there I had to just go get it. He yeah. said, the next day, he said, I felt embarrassed. He said, you were so confident. <laughs> I felt embarrassed that I didn't own 1988. That's dope. <laughs> That's dope. He said, I went and got it the next day. And then, and then I thought to myself, Yep, this is why this dude was confident. This yeah. shit is dope. Hell yeah, that's the best <laughs> shit. See, like the, that shit happened to me when I was in um when I was in Indian, Indiana for my last show. Yeah, it was it was before the show of selling merch. You know, a couple girls come up to the merch table and they're like, "Oh, who's Illogic?" And I'm like, "I'm Illogic." And it's like, "Oh, I never heard of you." Then, you know, how much are your CDs? And I told them, "It's like I don't know if I can spend ten dollars." I was like, "All right, check it out. Listen to the show after the first song. You are gonna want to buy a CD." It's like, all right, they pinky, we did pinky promise. <laughs> I was, they was like, you sure we gonna like it? I was like, I'm confident. Yeah. I was like, after the first song, you gonna wish you had bought that CD before you left this table. <laughs> and sure enough, after the show, they was both back there, bought like three or four CDs a piece. Dope. Dope. <laughs> See? Confidence. Confidence. Belief you know? in self. As artists, we gotta have the same level of belief in ourselves that we do in our art. Right. We gotta know that, you know, like he said, you're selling a product, not you. Mm-hmm. And but this is a sales guys. We are kind of selling ourselves, right. but we have to have that same level of confidence as right. if it's just a dope product. Right. Like how dare you not have this record? Right? Are right. you seriously asking me if this is worth buying? Yeah, because <laughs> it's different. It's different. Like having the record. Like you have to. After a while, it's it's you have to be able to separate yourself from the project. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? You can't always be so attached because there's you know especially. You know, I'm going to find this very difficult, especially with me producing and, you know, putting my whole record together myself. It's going to be my like my first like real little baby. You know what I mean? So it's going to it's going to take me a while to separate myself from, you know, the personal aspect of it. But it is a product at the end of the day. It is the record is not you necessarily. Thank you. It's a part of you. It's your ideas. It's some of your beliefs. It's some of your ideology that's in that. But it's not necessarily you as a person in that CD case. That's a fact. You know, that's a fact. So that's number one. Yeah. Believing in yourself. Believe in yourself. Yes. We're going to move to number two. Now, number two is from a book by a guy named Joe Girard, who's in the Guinness Book of World Records as the uh, for selling the most used most cars ever. Wow. Yeah. This book is kind of dope. <laughs> yeah. So, so so the analogies in here he's using are for cars. But I want you to read this to listen to me. This is rule number two. Rule number two is start with want. Mm start with want how bad do you want it and i'm going to read an excerpt of this book where he's talking about it he says and he's talking about growing up um you know he had a real messed up childhood but i'm going to pick up there and read a little bit of this he says i had stuttered from another handicap since i was a kid a kid and that that was that i stuttered badly from the time i was about eight it seemed to have started from my father beating me For years, it caused me a lot of painful embarrassment, but the kind of work I was able to get didn't require me to speak well. I had talked to a lot of people about it, including doctors. They all said pretty much the same thing. Just try to just try to talk slower. I tried a lot and I guess it got better sometimes, but there just wasn't all that much pressure on me to improve my speech until I started selling cars. Okay, so then he talks about that and then he goes on to talk about his first car he sold he says a lot of guys frame the first dollar they took in at their new store he said and they can recall every detail of the first sale they ever made in their business you might think that i can recall every detail of the first sale or if i can't you might think that i would be good for this book if i made up a story about the first sale but i won't do that i'll tell you frankly that i don't remember the man's name I don't remember what kind of car he bought. I remember two things about the first sale, just two things. One was that he was a Coca-Cola salesman. I probably remember that because I had to do because I had something to do with grocery stores and groceries were on my mind a lot that day. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. The other thing I remember was I remember was the feeling I had from the first time I saw the guy that there was no way he was going to get out without buying a car from me. To this day, I cannot remember his face. And for a simple reason, whenever I looked at him, all I saw was what I wanted from him. And my want was a bag of groceries to feed my family. Mm. 
like he talks about just like he really was totally, totally broke, mm-hmm. you know, going into that that sale. And uh, he had got turned down for jobs. And it was like the last thing he had was was a car salesman. Mm-hmm. And he had a criminal record as a teenager. So it's hard to get certain jobs. And he was leaving the house. He was he had just had a baby. Mm-hmm. He was broke. And he was just like he didn't even really have the only reason he got to even talk to that customer was because everyone else who was supposed to go out on the floor and was get, busy. Yeah, they were busy. Yeah. So he and he just saw it. He just went in and said, all he could think about was groceries. And that's what rule number two. Start with want. Mm-hmm. Start with with. You have to want it. Yes. You got to really, really want that shit. Like, as long as you're looking like this is optional, mm-hmm. this is something I can take or leave, mm-hmm. um, whether I make money or not on my craft, it doesn't really matter. As long as it doesn't matter to you, it's not going to matter enough to do what you need to do to to tell people that your art is great, that your craft is amazing. And if you show that it, if it doesn't matter to you, it's going to come across to your audience. Thank you. And it ain't going to matter to them. Bruh. Bruh, I've been in, I don't know if I've told the story here, but like the first time I toured Europe, mm-hmm. it was me, Louis Logic, and a guy named Paul Date. And uh, the, we were over there a month. And my booking agent had basically like, she had crunched all the numbers. The numbers wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. But it was it was super just precise. They were like, okay, we've got all your plane tickets. All your hotels are paid for. All your flights are covered. Your room and board is good. Um, and we got all the money advanced for your shows ahead of time. So we are here's a calc, here's a you know we calculated here's a spreadsheet, and we owe you guys like four hundred dollars each. Mm-hmm. And so we're just gonna give you this day one. Mm-hmm. Now we're over there a month, right? Four hundred American dollars, right? In Europe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a little dark. Oh my god. <laughs> A little dismal. That's not a lot of money, bro. Yeah, it's not. Not for a month. No, no, no. So like guys over there were like freaking out. Right. There were people in this tour who were freaking out. And at first I was just like, damn, this is bad. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, what do I do? You know, I was like, we still doing a tour. There's no turning back. There's no complaining. And then when I got over there, I got into that mode like he's talking about where all you could think about was eating. Yeah. Yeah. The basics. I need to eat. Right. Because that's less than $100 a week at that time because the euro was killing a dollar, mm-hmm. you know, so we probably that probably was about $300 American to survive in a foreign country for three and a half to four weeks, mm. less than $100 a week. Right. And as I got into that mode, I started getting creative. I was like, oh, man, what can I do? Yeah. You know, then how can I get this merch? Yeah, off? how can I get this merch off? <laughs> Man, I got on the internet. I started emailing, calling everybody. Just, just every, anything you could think of doing, I was doing it. I was doing uh, 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 in stores at festivals that I wasn't even performing at. Word. You know, because yeah. she was uh, my my booking agent. She was like, "Look, you know, there's this festival. She was booking DITC, mm-hmm. and she said, "Well, I'm booking this festival, and they've got these um, vendors there who have." record stores vinyl stores in their booths mm-hmm. and they looking for people to do in stores if you guys want to make some extra money you can perform hell a couple yeah. songs and then sell your stuff so i'm like like you're saying hell yeah she didn't get to finish the <laughs> sentence with me it was like that yeah. like how i didn't even finish the sentence right, you're right. like hell yeah i would do it but other people on the tour were like no what they were like nah that's beneath me what nah i don't just rap out like that in public if i'm not getting paid i'm not doing it Bro, what? I'm sitting there looking at how yeah, little your, your Negroes <laughs> is about to be starving. Right, right. I, I was like, look, I started getting the idea in my head. I started talking to Tormund. Okay, man, what instrumentals you got? Like, we, yeah. I, I went through it with him. We got there, man, and it was the the festival was set up to where there was a uh, the the stage, the big stage would let out, and then it was this big, huge tunnel with all the vendors in it, right? Oh, okay. The corridor, yeah. so the people would funnel out and go past you anyway. And, she, and so I, we timed it. I was like, okay, as soon as this such and such ends, yep. drop the beat. You know, he dropped the beat. I had all these verses. I had I had verses that were just like four minutes each, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just stringing things together. So like once you heard me rhyme, there was no hooks. <laughs> it was just bars. It was just bars, bars, yeah. bars. And then by the end of it, it's like I would look up and then five people would crowd around, mm-hmm. then 10 people, then 15, then 20, then the booth would be packed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, then I would get down. Dude, I did like two or three of those. I was like, all right, cool. Then I sell some CDs. Anybody want to buy a CD? All right, cool. Boom, made 50, 80 euro. Mm-hmm. Boom, did it again. Another 58. Next thing you know, I made 150 euro mm-hmm. just from not even performing, just doing that twice. Mm-hmm. And uh, meanwhile, everybody else was mad, complaining, salty. I'm over there counting my euro like, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Because I wanted that shit. I wanted it so bad. I, you know, it was like, there's no option. Right. I got to eat. Come on. I got to eat. Look, man, being broke is has spiritual consequences, man. <laughs> I, I feel you, dog. I tell people I all the you. time, poverty has spiritual consequences, man. You can't just be glorifying that shit or making it seem cool because when you get to a certain level of brokenness, if you're not willing to do what you got to do, it's going to fuck with you for the rest of your life. Hell yeah. It's going to turn you into somebody you don't want to be. Oh, yeah. That's so true. You know, no, that's so, so true. Start with want. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Definitely start we- with want. <laughs> Oh yeah, when you want that shit, can't nothing stop you. You got to, man. You know, so uh, we gonna do maybe one more. Then we'll yeah, go to one a break. more thing. Break. Okay, so this next one is from uh, a book called Ultimate Sales Letter. Now, this book is basically about like email letters and really print letters, like the 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 the, the print letters you get where they're trying to sell you some product to your mail, oh, it's like yeah. junk mail. Mm-hmm. There's a whole science behind that. Yeah, I know it is. You know, yeah, and this book be. is so deep. I had no idea it was that much science behind it, uh-huh. you know, getting people to open in and all of that shit. But this dude talks about uh, this rule, which is number three. And rule number three is understand your customer or your audience. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, yeah, we're hip hop guys, but a lot of things we do in terms of promoting or selling we we phrase it in terms of us 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 right all the time we don't think in terms of providing value and i think a lot of the reason we can't provide value to our fans sometimes or we don't know how to is because we don't really ask about them mm-hmm. we don't really study them and take time to figure out what they want to do you know and so uh he talks about you know the goal is understanding to persuade someone to motivate someone to sell with someone you really need to understand that person you know, and he talks about how um, he has 10 rules um, to diagnose customer questions and, and to profile them. And, he, and he's got 10 questions. These questions he asks are what keeps them awake at night? You know, indigestion, boiling their esophagus, eyes open, staring at the ceiling. What are they afraid of? Question two. Question three. What are they angry about? Who are they angry at? You know, uh, what are their top three daily frustrations? What trends are occurring and will occur in their business or lives? Number six, what do they secretly, ardently desire the most? Number seven, is there a built-in bias in a way to make their, their decisions? For example, engineers are exceptionally analytical. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight, do they have their own language? Nine, who else is selling something similar to their product and how? Number 10, who else tried selling them something similar and how has that effort failed? Now, this makes me think of something I saw this weekend about that uh, women's march up in D.C. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a, a tweet that was going around about these brothers who was up there selling like he had like this big, long uh, board of buttons. Uh-huh. And they were like, fuck Trump, anti-Trump, you uh-huh. know, love Trump's hate. And then they showed him another picture where he had it flipped over. On the other side, it was like, make America great again. <laughs> Da, 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 da. Yeah, Trump uh-huh. will do it. We love right. Trump, right? Right. Same guy. Right. You just flip the button over. He's making audience. money. Yeah. Know your audience. See, he knew all these questions. He knew. He said, "Well, who's going to be at this event? Mm-hmm. What do they love? Well, uh, they're, they're Democrats mostly, right? Mm-hmm. They're not Republicans. Okay, but there may be some Republicans sprinkled about. Okay, what do they hate? They hate Trump. Okay, boom. I got these these Trump buttons. Mm-hmm. Natural. He just by going into the mentality and thinking of it from a customer's perspective. He was able to provide a product, right? You know, and he did, probably didn't even have to sell that shit. It sold itself. Yeah, it sold itself. You see, yeah. And when you take it there as an artist, all the pressure is off of you. Mm-hmm. You're creating something that you already know people want because you've already walked a mile in their shoes, so to speak. Right. I mean, and you also, as a customer or as a person selling, you have to think, what makes me want to buy stuff? Thank you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what What makes me want to buy a record? You know what I'm saying? What how, What kind of cover art do I look for when I'm when I'm you know digging for records? Facts. You know what I'm Facts. saying? Like, how important is art to me? Yeah. How important is art to me? Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Things like that. You know, it's true. How important is content? How right. important is presentation? Mm-hmm. You know, things that we talk about. How important is honesty? Mm-hmm. You know, when you understand the sensibilities of your fan base, for us that would be overwhelmingly underground hip hop heads. Right. What kind of content do they like? What kind of content don't they like? What what do they stand for? You know, if you're into if you're selling art, or you're selling lawnmowers, or you're selling I you know software, start with that question. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, these questions he wrote it made me really think about it. Like, wow, it is true because if you're not asking questions about what your fans or your customers are thinking about. You're selling from a selfish position. Right. You're not selling from a position of value. 
and, and you can't understand value until you walk a mile in their shoes. Yeah. So that's number three. Word. Take a break. Take a break. Bam. Do you enjoy the Super Duty Tough Work podcast? If so, please remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And if you really rock with us, please leave us a five-star rating and we will shout you out in an upcoming episode. The five-star rating is one of the most effective ways in helping more people learn about the show. Thanks for your support. Jewels. <laughs> yeah, old people like this one, man. Jewels. I think, I mean, yeah, everybody you know. can use it. Yeah. You know, as artists, as businessmen, as, you know, cats that have their own companies. Straight up. Everybody can use it. Straight you know, up. Learn how to sell. Yeah, yeah. And even ideas. Yeah. Like, you know, discussions with your, your mate. Right. You're selling. What, yes. do you, what, what movie you want to see? Right. I want to see blah, blah, blah. Well, I want to see blah, blah, blah. Why you want to see that? Yeah. yeah this is why. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. You're yes. always selling something. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're all we're all selling. Okay. So we back. We back in, in the building. the building. You know, 10 we, tips so you can sell better. The, the birth of a salesman. The birth of a salesman. You know, for all our artists out there, you know, and this is number four. Number four. This is uh, the Ray Leon book as well. And this one is so simple and one we've talked about on this episode before, but I'm going to go into it anyway. And rule number four is set goals. I think that's one of like, that's always one of the points in like every list that we do. <laughs> it's like set a goal. Set a goal, yeah. man. If you don't set a goal, like how can you? Yeah, you don't have no destination. Come on, man. You got to set a destination. Come on. And I'm going to read a, a brief uh, excerpt from this book about setting goals. It says, every sales program in the world. Hold on, I'm like, going that? Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, okay. Every sales program in the world has a section on goal setting. And there. And there will be no and this will be no exception. <laughs> the reason there is a magic in goal in setting goals. At the same time, there are numerous minefields. People who don't know how to set goals tend to set them too high or too low, and they actually have a dampening effect. We can be realistic and visionary. Recently, I lost 44 pounds in 11 weeks. How? I did it by first realizing that I would not lose it overnight. After all, it took me 20 years to add that much weight. I set a goal by shedding 40 pounds in 10 weeks. Initially, it sounded like a lot, but I asked the people at the weight loss center, what is the average? What is a lot? What is a little? The counselor said that a lot was four or five pounds. A little was nothing. Mm -hmm. They guaranteed that if I would follow their improved, their proven program, I would lose a minimum of three pounds a week. I decided that I would do one pound better than the average. I analyzed what I wanted to do, and I felt that if I could stick to their program, I could achieve my goal in losing 40 pounds in 10 weeks. My dominant thought every day was that goal. On my refrigerator, I put up a picture of what I looked like when I was 15 years old, and boy, I was a far cry from that. I also placed a picture of me at my top weight. At that point, I was 5'8", 220 pounds. My goal was 180 pounds. I hit it exactly in 10 weeks when I went on the maintenance program and drifted down and drifted down an additional four pounds. I started gaining the weight back after losing weight was no longer a goal. You see, the goal should have been to get and to remain at my ideal weight. Mm -hmm. Be careful to set your goals to obtain the desired result. The magic of goal setting is incredible, but you have to know where you are. I had to know that I weighed 220 pounds before I could determine how much weight I wanted to lose. You must also know where you are before you know how to reach your desired destination. Bars. Bartender. Yo, this brings me to a, a great um, example, something me and you've talked about before. Mm -hmm. um, with the Capture the Sun record. Yeah. You know, back when when I was putting that record out and I was working on all the EPs and stuff, my goal was to get that record on a label. Yep. I set that goal before we even started working on the project. And it took, what, two years probably that we worked yep. on the songs, put out the EPs and stuff. And I reached my goal. But after that, I'd had no other destination. <laughs> I had no I had no other plan. Like the goal was to get the record put on a label. And I did that. Yeah. And then I had nowhere else to go. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I, I reached my goal. That was my goal. Yeah. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I remember talking about that on my porch that day. I said, because you were like, man, I just feel like I failed. I said, you didn't fail. 
you did exactly what you set out to do. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, well, you're right. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I, I did. Said, I said, the problem was that you set a goal that wasn't, it didn't have anything after it. Mm-hmm. It, w- it didn't have any conditions. You know, it's like, right. look, I'm just going to get this record on a label and you got it on a label. Mm-hmm. And then it, it wasn't like, hey, I want to make this much money off of it. Right. I want this record to propel me to this level of, you know, notoriety. I need this, this, that. And I was like, yeah, I just needed to get signed. Mm-hmm. You got it. Yeah, I got it. You know, I put in the work and did everything I needed to do to get where I, what I wanted, yeah, and yeah. I got what I wanted. Yeah, and it, it says a lot about just setting goals that have a little, uh, an additional layer of depth to them, right? So that we don't get caught up in you know the glamour and glitz of just the goal. Like, right. I'm gonna lose forty pounds. Okay, cool. Then what? Right. You lose. Then it. I'm gonna gain that shit back. Right. <laughs> Because you gained it, now right, what? Right. Now you fat again. Right, right, right. <laughs> but at one time, I lost that forty pounds yeah. in ten weeks, though. Oh, dog, you know, man, you know, what I, mean? I can lose any time I want to, though. Right, you know what I'm saying? right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's number four. Yeah. Set goals, man. Set real goals. Yeah. Measurable goals. Measurable goals. And goals that that propel you to other goals. Right. You know, maybe a goal is just like a look at look at a goal like a step on a staircase mm-hmm. instead of being the top step. Right. You know, a goal should propel you to the next goal. Yeah. I think that's the problem. A lot of us set goals and we don't look at it as a stepping stone. We look at it as the pinnacle. Like, I got this, this is what I want to achieve, and after I but after you achieve it, you don't have no else to go. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> And you can achieve, and you can achieve a goal and still fail. Right, that's what's ill. It's right, like you can achieve that little goal, but if your overall thing isn't yeah. working, you still feel like you failed. Yeah, you yeah. know, been there. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> I can testify. Yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> so now number five. Uh, this is an original one, but it's not. It, the concept isn't original, but uh, this is original. This is called. Um, Gerard's Law of 250. Mm-hmm. This one is kind of deep. And uh, I'll read an excerpt from his book. It's called about the Gerard's Law of 250. And this is the excerpt. So let me explain to you what I call Gerard's Law of 250. A short time after I got into this business, I went to a funeral home to pay my last respects to the dead mother of a friend of mine, a Catholic funeral home. Jose. At Catholic funeral homes, they give out mass cards with the name and picture of the departed. I've seen them for years, but I never thought about them till that day. One question came into my head. So I asked the undertaker, how do you know how many of these to print? He said, it's a matter of experience. You look in a book where people sign their names and you count. And after a while, you see that the average number of people who come out is 250. A short time later, a Protestant funeral director bought a car from me. After the close, I asked him the average number of people who came to see a body and attended the funeral. He said about 250. Then one day, my wife and I were at a wedding and I met a man who owns the uh, owns the catering place where the reception took place. I asked him what the average number of guests at a wedding was. And he told me about 250 from the bride's side and about 250 from the groom's. I guess you can figure out what Gerard's law of 250 is, but I'll tell you anyway. Everyone knows 250 people in his or her life important enough to invite to to the wedding and to the funeral. 250. You can argue that hermits don't have many friends, but I'll tell you that a lot of people have more than that. But the figures prove that 250 is average. This means that if I see 50 people in a week and only two, two of them are unhappy with the way I treated them, at the end of the year, there will be about 5,000 people influenced by just those two a week. I've been selling cars for 14 years. So if I turned off two people a week out of all of that, I see there will be 70,000 people, a whole stadium full who know one thing is for sure. Don't buy a car from Joe Gerard. It doesn't take a mathematical genius to know that Gerard's law of 250 is the most important thing you can learn from me. Hmm. It's kind of deep. It's kind of deep. Yeah. You know, you look, I, I would I would bet that Facebook probably mirrors this. Right. And, and the law is basically saying that, look, selling is also about relationships. Right. It's about who you know, and sales become easier when people refer people to you. So just as someone could say, hey, your product service is dope. I'm going to tell my friends about it. My 250 friends. Right. They can also say, hey, your product or service 
sucks. Right. I'm going to tell my 250 friends. Mm-hmm. That's Gerard's law of 250. That's pretty dope. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's deep. It's deep. I don't even know really what to say. To it. I'm, I'm, I'm still like <laughs> mealing it over in my head over here. Like, damn, like I do know about two. Yeah. Yeah. Like friends and family. Yeah. And think about when we post something on Facebook, the yeah. average number of people who may see it. Right. It's probably around there. It's yeah. deep. You yeah. know, there are some of us who through social reasons have a thousand, a few thousand Facebook friends or fans. But yeah. on average, yeah, we probably got about 250 fans, friends. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, the key is to just be nice and, and, and be thinking about that in every interaction. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone if things don't go your way, if you put out a product that makes that person tell their 250 people right have an interacting with those customers or fans or whoever that makes them you know that's crazy i'm still yeah makes that two that law 250 work for you <laughs> yeah that you need to got, write a whole book on that on that that should be right that's <laughs> right a whole book on the law of 250 yeah <laughs> yeah joe yeah that's it is real right yeah the law real. of 250 joe gerard's law of 250 man oh man so we're gonna go to the next one what we got uh number six this is a good one too. This one I'm going to call uh, "Focus on." Hold on, let me make sure this is the right one. Hold on, I got two that sound alike in this book. Hold on. Focus on yourself. Did I get the wrong? Oh, I'm in the wrong book. Okay, I'm uh, like, wait a minute. Why uh, ain't this matching up? <laughs> okay, hold on. Yes. Okay. This rule is called "Focus on yourself." So when you're selling, if you're thinking about, okay, I want people to think about my product, my service, whatever I got that's dope. Don't focus on what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. Don't look at other artists and says, well, this artist doesn't promote themselves and it still works. And don't look at the other guy and say, well, this guy promotes too much and it works for them. Mm-hmm. Focus on yourself, on your goals, on your people and on, on what works best for you. And, uh, this book, this is from the Ray Leon book, and he's got a, a passage I'm going to read that talks about that. He says, um, I used to be a professional tournament archer. In archery, I learned more about self-fulfilling prophecy and visualization than at any other sport or in any other endeavor that I've had. I was shooting in the International Indoor Archery Championship some years ago in Las Vegas. The night before the tournament, I shot 150 arrows into the bullseye without one miss. Indoor tournaments are at 20 yards, which is the length of a bowling alley. The target in those days was three inches in diameter. Can you picture 150 arrows in that hole? If you can shoot 100 arrows, if you can shoot 100 in a row, why can't you shoot 101? The difference is is what your mind The difference is what is in your mind and your expectation of success. Now, the next day, I certainly had this had all the skills necessary. If I could shoot 150 in a row, skill was not my problem. We started the tournament. There were giant feathered arrows stuck in everyone's target off to the side, kind of like a flag. Everyone, spectator and competitor alike, looked up and down the line and saw those large arrows. The reason they had such importance was that whenever anyone shot one arrow outside of the bullseye, that large arrow was pulled from the target. This helped the other archers keep a running track of who was shooting perfectly. To win a tournament at that level, you have to be perfect. You then usually have to go through a shoot off with three or four people where the target was continually reduced in size until someone lost or missed. You shoot five arrows at a time and then go score. 20 arrows is a game and three games is a series. After the first 20 arrows, I was perfect. I looked up and down and saw only 12 or 13 large feathered arrows still in the target. I should have never looked. I expected to still see a hundred still in the targets. As we were walking back from the scoring line to where we would get ready to shoot our next series of arrows, I suddenly had questions going through my mind. Why are so many people missing? Could it be the listen, the lighting? Could it be the depth perception in this huge Las Vegas convention center? Could it be the pressure? I'm sure that you are ahead of me. The very next five, ne- the very next round of five, I missed two arrows 
It was like a lightning bolt going down my back. Here I had prepared for years for this moment and I let my mind beat me. The only thing that can beat you, my friend, the only thing that can beat you is your mind. Mm, that's deep. That's real. That's real. Because you can't worry about what the next man is doing. You can't. You can't. You can't because they fans ain't your fans necessarily. You know what I mean? Like their product is not your product. Come on now. You know, it might be they might both be rap records, but it ain't the same rap record. They might both be vacuums, but it ain't the same vacuum. Preach on it. <laughs> I'm just saying like you just got to know you got to focus on what you have to sell and how you get that across to your to your fan base or to your audience or, you know, whatever. Come on, run your race. <laughs> yeah, run your race. Put some blinders on. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like you know, it's it's like that saying in uh when it comes to gambling, uh, play the uh, don't play the cards, play the play the dealer. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like yeah. you you know what you're up against, right? Like some people will be so focused on what everyone else is doing. Oh well, he looks like he's bluffing. Right. Well, he looks like he's doing this. Yeah, what well, are you I doing? I think he's got it right. Right. Like the best the best gamblers. They're able to stay focused on their shit. Mm -hmm. People may be trying to get in their heads and sell them something, but you got to be unswayed by what everyone else is doing right. and focus on what the fuck you got going on. Yeah, you know, and that shit is deep, man. Focus on yourself. Because right, at the end of the day, what everybody else is doing ain't gonna put food in your pocket. No. I mean, food in your mouth, money in your pocket. Come on. So yeah. if you, if you decide to say, you know what, man, no one else is really pushing their shit right now, so I'm gonna fall back. Mm -hmm. You know what, man, I. I I'm looking at such and such and he sells so much and you know he's getting more retweets and all this shit than me i'm not even gonna do it mm -hmm. you know what i'm looking at this guy and that guy and they're looking like they're doing well or i'm looking at this guy and this guy's record didn't sell maybe mine won't sell mm -hmm. when you start getting that dialogue in your head you're not focused on yourself anymore right. and, and focus on yourself man yeah, and it kills your confidence straight the fuck up yeah kills it word up uh, so that was uh that was num number six number six number seven man this is uh mm. Hold on. Number six was focus on yourself. Number seven is value, not yourself. Okay, let me look at this one. This one is from the Dan Kennedy book. Let's see if I can find this one. This is a good one, too. This is focus on value. Ah, uh, yeah. Number seven. Focus on value. Focus on value. Focus on value. So I'm going to read this from him. This is from the Dan Kennedy book about sales letters. And it says, one one warm afternoon, I was at home sitting in my kitchen counter, sitting at my kitchen counter, a large iced tea in my hand, talking on the telephone with an important client in another city. The doorbell rang. I ignored it. It rang relentlessly. I ignored it. Then the uninvited, unwanted pest pounded on the door. Damn, I said to myself. But I still tried to continue my conversation. Suddenly, there was someone banging on the siding glass door behind me. At this stage, it was a contest of wills, and I refused to even turn around and look. <laughs> then he was back banging at the front door. I finally excused myself from the conversation and went to the door to get rid of this guy. He was a passing motorist trying to tell me that the shrubs along my backyard were all in flames. Suddenly, this guy elevated in status from an annoying pest to welcome guest. <laughs> Clearly, he was on my side. Get the hose going. I'll call the fire department. Together, we kept the burning shrubbery from setting my whole house on fire. How did he go from pest to welcome guests so quickly? Because he had something to tell me that I instantly recognized as of urgent importance and of great value and benefit to me. In case you had illusions to the contrary, no one is sitting around hoping and praying that he will receive your sales letter. When it arrives, it most likely is an unwanted pest. How do you go about how do you earn your welcome as a guest by immediately saying something that is recognized by the recipient as important and valuable and beneficial? Hmm. I mean, that goes into knowing your product. You got to know what you're selling as an artist. You got to know what what is valuable about your record. That's yeah, that's more valuable than the next man's record. Come on now. You know, I mean, a lot of us just make music and we make it and we like, I hope y'all like it. Here we go. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right. You got to tell somebody. Why is this special? Right, right. How does this? And, but it goes back to the one we talked about, about knowing your customers. Mm -hmm. If you understand what your customers want, right. then you should have no problem phrasing it in a way that they know the value in it. Right. 
The problem is that we don't we don't even think from their perspective. We're so selfish sometimes. Mm-hmm. We don't. It's hard to sell. We don't want to sell. Well, that's only because we ain't taking the time to walk a mile in their shoes mm-hmm. and figure out what's valuable to them. Yeah. Be it the themes, be it the style, be it the rhymes, be it the production, be it the, the message, whatever the fuck, the artwork, like right. you, you pointed out earlier. If these are qualities that they find important, why are we not mentioning those All right. when it's time to ask for support or have them pick up the, the product? Yeah, I mean, sometimes we're too focused on ourselves and not focused enough on our audience. Like, it's a balancing game. Come on. You know what I'm saying? You have to be balanced with it. You got to know what they want and also understand the value in your product yourself to be able to sell it. Bam. Yeah. So, yeah, that was number seven. seven. Focus on value. We'll take a break. Word. Bam. What's up, everybody? Blueprint here to remind you that my latest project, the Vigilante Genesis EP, is available right now on Weightless Recordings. The EP is a collaboration between myself and my friend Aesop Rock, which features myself on the rhymes and Aesop Rock on production. If you are a fan of concept albums, comic books, or just good old hip hop, then this EP is for you. Vigilante Genesis is available on signed CD, blue vinyl, and deluxe digital exclusively at weightless.net. So order your copy today. Thanks again for your support. All right, yeah, yeah. Word. Back in the place. Back in the building. Back in the building with bars. Bars, birth of a salesman. Woo, bars upon bars in this episode, man. Yeah. Who's the most valuable? Hey, super duty. Gotta be, man. Gotta be. Yeah, we hope y'all enjoying and getting some out of this. I hope so too, man. If y'all on SoundCloud, you know, hit us in the comments. Let us know what y'all think about this information, man. Where? You know, so we got like three joints left and then we gonna get out of here. All right. So uh, this is uh, from the Joe Girard book. This is rule number eight or tip number eight, I should call it, you know, to, to help you, you know, power up on them sales. Get put the sales right. Yeah, get the battery in your sales back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And this is a, a simple one. Number eight. Honesty is the best policy. Word. Honesty is the best policy. Yes. Don't be out here lying to people, y'all. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if you got a product or service, be honest about it. Mm-hmm. You don't got to lie and say this is the last CD. Right. You ain't got to lie and say, I ain't got no more of these and it's out of print. Mm-hmm. Sell it on the strength of what it is. Right. And you will have better results long term. Yeah. Because, you know, once you talk about the lying thing and you start doing people wrong, Word spreads. Yeah. And your reputation is mad important. So uh, this is an excerpt from, you know, the Joe Girard book. And, and it's about honesty is the best policy. And he's talking about cars here. But I think it's very, very, you know, apt to anything. He says, when I say honesty is the best policy, I mean exactly that. It's a policy and the best one you can follow most of the time. But a policy, as I mean it, is not a law or rule. It is something that you use in your work when it's in your best interest. Telling the truth usually is in your best interest, of course, especially if it is about something that the customer can check up on later. Nobody in his right mind would dream of telling a customer that he bought an eight cylinder car when what you sold him was a six cylinder model. The first time he opened up the hood and counted the wires coming out of the distributor cap, you would be dead because he would badmouth you to a lot more than 250 people. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> that's real that's honesty man yeah you know i think this also goes back if you're like an artist or creative type purpose it's it's about telling your story Mm -hmm. understand that that some people are hesitant to tell their story Mm -hmm. they think that you know i don't want to be vulnerable i don't want people to know this i don't want people to know that but telling your story in terms of your craft is very important extremely important that's how you build trust right otherwise you're just a guy who does whatever you do really well Mm -hmm. that people don't know yeah. And sometimes you have to tell your story to build the bridge, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a great example of especially with artists, because for me personally, like on um, Unforeseen, Hate in a Puddle was one of the most personal songs that I had ever heard. And I wrote it, you know, and I think doing something that was that personal and that touched that many people and telling them part of that part of my story in that manner 
that's what started to build the trust of my fans and started to build the loyalty because they felt that I was being that open and that vulnerable with them that they could trust me with their own feelings and their own stories, you know, while we get emails and things of that nature. So honesty is very important. When I agree totally. That, that song, and especially on that song, yep, because that song totally is one of those ones, your catalog, where the vulnerable, vulnerability of it mm-hmm. attracts people to you. Right. You know, that's something you can't just speak about on Twitter or on your right. Facebook feed. Right. You know, about like not liking yourself or, or self-image or things. It's very tough, mm-hmm. you know, and you did it. And I, I totally agree. And seeing people's response, even all these years later. Yeah. Still. People still love that song. Yes. For that reason. For that reason. You know, so, yeah, um, you know, honesty is the best policy. And I've had the same results. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, whenever I did songs that were super honest like that, exact same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's number eight. Yeah. And we uh, number nine, man. We almost there. Almost there. They're almost there. Almost to this the mountaintop. Is, yeah, this is one that's kind of about about guys reaching. You know, like a lot of a lot of people reach. Like they they have something that's right there in front of them, but instead they worry about the people who are not paying attention. Mm-hmm. You know. So this is number nine, and this this tip is to narrow your focus. Mm. Narrow your focus. Don't cast a super wide net. Right. You know, I know intuition would tell you, oh, if I cast a wide net, I'll be more successful. No, you want to be very focused in what you do and who you're talking to and and try to appeal to your hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. Don't don't look at it like, well, I'm selling to people who aren't a fan of mine. No, you're selling to people who already know you and like you. Right. That's the point. They just need to be reminded. And admitting that will make it easier. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read this. Um, this this quick excerpt this is from the the dan s kennedy book about uh sales letters and he says um most research shows that the vast majority of readers never go uh, go beyond a quick glance at an advertisement and the same is true about most sales letters even with excellent list selection you'll be sending your sales letters to a great many people who who give them only a passing glance as they toss them into their waste baskets these people are not interested in your product or service They're not interested in anything at the moment except clearing their desks. They can't read or won't read your letter or any or for any number of reasons are 100 percent resistant to your message. Worrying about whether this majority will read one page, half a page or any other quantity of copy is a foolish exercise. Who cares? Try to stick to try to trick. Trying to trick or manipulate these people into reading is extraordinarily difficult and of questionable value. Shortening your copy to a length that everybody will read is counterproductive. Instead, you need to focus your energies on the relative minority of the letter recipients who will be interested in a message. In other words, write for the buyer, not the non-buyer. Real prospects are hungry for the information. That's word. This is a sales book. Yeah. But the, the 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 analogy is clear. Yeah. The parallels are so clear, right? Yeah, so clear. It's like, hey, man, I've seen many underground rappers take time and like almost uh, rebel against their fan bases. Mm-hmm. Like they'll have success and they're like, man, I don't want to be an underground rapper no more. Right. I don't want to do that. Ah, I don't want to do that. It's like a yeah. burden to them. And I think it's because they see something that they see. Well, if I just opened up what I'm doing more, mm-hmm. I'll attract more people in and those people might be my true fan base. Right. You know, and in the same way he's talking about with the sales letter, when you do that, you're doing it for people who are not interested in you. Right. And all you're going to do is alienate the people who would like it Mm -hmm. by changing what you do. You're abbreviating it. You're making it shorter. Mm -hmm. Whereas the people who like you already, that's who you need to focus on. Right. You know, um, and this is about that. This book is about sales, but it's so much about so much more. Yeah, I think. and, And there's a difference between growing as an artist and changing what you're doing oh yeah 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 you know what i mean yeah. and, and, and trying I don't want, to capitalize yeah, trying to capitalize <laughs> there's a difference between yeah. those two so i don't want people to get it twisted like well you know if my fans like only this style do i have to continue to do that style for the rest of my career no you can grow as an artist yes. but don't it's about the mindset that you're going into doing that with you know, if you're doing it to gain new fans and trying to tap somebody else's fan base, that's different than just saying, yo, this is what I'm feeling like doing right now, you know, and it'll come off more sincere that way as well. Yes. And your fans most likely will rock with you because they trust you and you're coming off sincere. Facts. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. You can't just look at it like, oh, well, you know, such and such fans, you know, are like this. Mm-hmm. So let me write something for their fans. Right. 
or such and such as fans like this. So let me write something for them. And people do that. Mm-hmm. A lot of writers do it and it doesn't really come out right. Yeah, it doesn't always translate. No. And you can kind of tell when they're reaching like that. Like, mm-hmm. dude, you're reaching. That's not you. Yeah. It sounds good, but <laughs> it's not. We don't believe you. Yeah, yeah, we don't believe you. We don't believe people you. on that. <laughs> sure. So now we got the last one. Last one. Number 10. Number 10. Uh, number 10. This is one for after the sales. After the sale is made, let's say you, hey, buy my album, buy my CD, buy my shirt, buy my lawnmower, my right. vacuum. This no, this rule number 10 is when after the close. Hmm. So when after the sale, this means that when you sell something, you won. But understand that there's more victory there by maintaining the relationships with the people you sold something to. Yeah, because you can sell again. Yes. <laughs> they will come back. <laughs> <laughs> they will come back yes yes so so understand like it's not just a quick sale and you get the money and you're out that's a selfish attitude and mm-hmm. so this guy joe gerard who is you know the world's greatest salesman in accordance to the guinness book of world records mm-hmm. uh he's talking about um what he does uh after he sells something you know and he says um a lot of salesmen want to turn their back on a customer as soon as they have made the delivery if something is wrong with the car and the person brings it in some salesmen even hide from the customer. They consider customer complaints and problems as annoyances that they will find that will finally go away. But this is the worst attitude you could have. I look at it this way. Service problems and other customer complaints are a normal part of all business, regardless of what you sell. If you handle them properly, they can help you sell a lot more in the future. When a new car comes in with a bad problem for service, the service department know they are supposed to notify me if I sold it. They will go out and try to pacify the customer. No, he said, I'm sorry. I will go out and try to pacify the customer. I'll tell him I will make sure that the work is done right and that he will be happy with everything about the car. That is part of my job. And if the customer still has worse problems, my job is to take his side and make sure that his car runs the way it should. I will fight for him with the mechanics, with the dealer and with the factory that's real that's real life i mean customer service that's what customer service is all about straight up making sure that the people who buy your product are satisfied yeah and with every aspect of it you know what i'm saying and yep. in in hopes that they'll come back and, and so, buy the next product straight up and that and that fits into his whole law of 250 mm-hmm. he knows that if someone buys a car from him that has a problem and they bring it back he doesn't fix it mm-hmm. and doesn't look make sure it's fixed their social network is right. going to hurt him in the future yeah they know they're gonna know they know yeah then oh, where'd you get your car oh man my car's in the shop oh mm-hmm. man what happened who'd you get it from joe gerard did he fix it nah he hid when i went in there. <laughs> right he little bitch yeah he hid he under his bitch. desk yeah. like little bitch yeah. you know so fuck joe gerard don't right. buy from them right he knows that you know and uh it's deep yeah i mean and like the place i bought my car from i just they just sent me a birthday card i didn't have my car over a year yeah just little stuff like that just yep. shows that they care you know what i'm saying and that you're you mean something to them as a customer yeah because i mean i sent my mom there to buy her car see you know what i'm saying it's, that- just, it's the same concept i mean that's where i got my wife's car see you know when i go back i'll probably go back when i get my <laughs> next car because they did treat me well when there was a problem i went there they took care of it got it fixed you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they still keep in contact with me to this day. Yeah. And, and think about how this impacts from their perspective, future sales, mm-hmm. because they maintain the relationship with you and did you right. Mm-hmm. They no longer have to pitch to sell cars to your sister. Right. To your mom. Because I'll, I'll your, do it. Yeah. To your wife. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You're pushing it for you're doing the heavy lifting for them. Right. That is when business is at its best. When those who who got something from us that they value mm-hmm. tell someone without us telling them to right when they just look they did me right mm-hmm. this is where we going yeah because people will definitely tell you where not to go oh heck yeah. oh yeah they will tell you <laughs> do not eat at this spot <laughs> right. burgers are not cooked fully <laughs> right. you know what i'm saying <laughs> i said well done it was still pink in the middle yeah, don't yeah, go to yeah. there too much blood in my steak <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You know, I've seen the cook put his hand in his drawers. Right, you know, right. Anything like, you know, their don't. service is terrible. Yeah, terrible. It took me two hours to get some French fries. Right. No apology. Right. You right. know, it could be anything. And, and you know, that's that law of 250, man. So that's the 10 joints, man. Yeah. 
jewels. Ten jewels, man. I'm going to run them back. All right. You know, so the people at home can keep score. So we'll start from number 10 and we'll go to number one. Number right. 10 is win after the sale. Beautiful. That means maintain your relationship with the people that you do business with because it's not just a, a one-way street. Right. They may need you for something. They may have customer service. You know, and these are the people who are going to hopefully bring you more customers. But yeah. it starts one relationship at a time. Yeah, sales is a reciprocal relationship. Come on now. Number nine, narrow your focus. Mm. Don't be focused on people who ain't even your fans trying to please them. Right. Do it for the people who already rock with you. Yes. You know, number eight, um, honesty is the best policy. N- enough said. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even got to add to that. <laughs> right. No, no ads. You know, number seven, focus on value, not yourself. Mm-hmm. Understand what the value is and what you bring to the table. Focus on that, not on a selfish thing. What is your product? What makes it unique? What makes you you dope? You know, focus on that. Um, number six. Oh, hold on. Oh yeah, number six was focus on yourself, mm-hmm. not others. Right. And that was the one with the with the arrow. So run your race. Mm-hmm. Don't make. Don't run at someone else's race. Run your race and set goals that are specific to your race, and then you don't have to worry about competing with nobody else. Number five. The law of 250. Yeah. Everybody has 250 real friends. Right. At their funeral, at their wedding, on their Facebook. That's <laughs> so real. And if you do them wrong, the law of 250 will fucking be on your neck and whoop mm. your ass. So observe the law of 250. Number four, set goals. You got to have a goal, man. Say, how many of these do I want to sell? Do I want to try to do this? Do I want to do that? But you got to have goals so you know where you're going. Right. Set your destination. Number three, know your customers. Yes. Take the time to learn who yeah. you're selling to. Ask them a question or two. Yeah. One or two. Every now and again. You know, don't just assume that you got it all figured out. Right. Because they may tell you something completely different than what you thought. Number two, start with want. You gotta want it. You gotta want it. <laughs> you gotta want it as bad as you want to breathe. Right. You know, you gotta want it, man. Until you want it, ain't nothing gonna happen. Mm. Number one, believe in yourself. That's the that's the foundation of everything. <sighs> you can't sell nobody nothing if you don't believe that it's worth selling. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again, man. <laughs> You yeah. gotta believe it, man. You gotta believe it, man. So these are the, the three books I read this, you know, in the last month, and man, good stuff. A lot of jewels, and I hope y'all got something out of this, man. And if y'all, you know, uh, maybe we'll do something like this in the future. But let us know in the feedback yeah. on Twitter, on SoundCloud. Yeah, what let y'all us know. Think, man, the most valuable and the most infamous. <laughs> See y'all next week. Peace. Peace. Listening to Super Duty Tough Work. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Follow the podcast on SoundCloud. Peace. Shoot, I got styles already that's more complex than nobody know about. I mean, Super Duty Tough Work. <laughs>